Well, greetings, folks. Uh, Apostle Lewis here, Weekly Kingdom Outlook. Uh, so great to be with you and so excited to share today. I'm going to talk about how God chooses his civil leaders different than he chooses his church leaders and why their traits are amazingly different and that most people don't get it. And uh, they they sometimes, you know, in the church, we, I, I hear this complaint all the time, you know, about Trump, about all our leaders. You know, they're not, you know, they're not Christian or they don't act like Christians and they don't, um, you know, they shouldn't talk like that. and They shouldn't be so combative and Jesus wouldn't be like that. Well, number one, let's diffuse the attitude that Jesus was this pacifist because he's not. Jesus came to set up a kingdom that when he comes back, he will destroy his enemies. That's what the Bible says. He's not a pacifist. So let's not let's not assume that Jesus doesn't have a um, a side of him that he will vanquish his enemies. It literally says in the when it talks about the talents given to the servants. Uh, Jesus, it literally says that bring that servant who said he would have no ruler over him and slay him before me. I don't think we understand God perfectly. I, th I think we have this image of God that whatever goes, that there's never going to be a judgment. We will all face the judgment seat of Christ. And for those who don't know Christ, there is eternal separation and judgment from God. The judgment, by the way, the judgment is not just separation. Many people say the judgment is just separation from God. No, the judgment is hell, fire, and brimstone. That's the judgment. And I think that a lot of people try to make God into a pacifist. <laughs> you know, um, someone who doesn't have, uh, that can't have wrath. And the Bible is full of God's wrath upon um, his own people who constantly broke the covenant, worshipped false gods, allowed other nations to rise up against them. And, and I think that this is hard for Christians because we see Jesus as just this loving figure who, who and he was, that, you know, he came to save the world. Like Jesus actually wants to save the world. But here's one of the things that we don't like to grip with, to fully bring deliverance to the earth to all its people, Jesus is going to have to rip up the tares and cast them into the fire. That's in Matthew chapter 13. And this is a very tough scripture for people when they get into that because they don't want to think about that side of Jesus. And so they're praying for Jesus to come back and what they really want is, Jesus, get us all out of here so you could do what you want. But actually, it doesn't say that in the tares. It actually says the tares are taken first. Okay, and I'm not going to read the parable of the tears. Let's read Jesus' uh, explanation, not his interpretation, his explanation. He's not interpreting the parable. He's telling you what it means. <clears throat> and it says this, um, verse 36, Matthew 13. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went to the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. Now, the reason he doesn't say the Son of God, because the Son of Man is a greater distinction of the Messiah than saying the Son of God. And a lot of Christians don't understand that because they have a, 
um, they don't understand. The Son of Man actually in Daniel is actually devoted to the begotten of the Father who is given a kingdom. Okay, And so they don't understand that, and they don't um, understand Scripture because we are called sons of God. But Jesus is called the Son of Man, which is actually denoting the Scripture. And that's why I love the book. I love the, the shows chosen because you actually they're actually depicting the rabbis getting very, very upset about him using that statement because to them that meant something. To Christians, they think Son of God means more. And even to Muslims, when they ask, it never says that Jesus is the Son of God. And, that, and Christians get to that argument. And they should go to when Jesus claimed to be the Son of Man, he was claiming to be the one in Daniel when the Son of Man came up into the Ancient of Days. And that's who he's claiming to be. And received a kingdom. Okay? And so read the prophecy there because it is the fulfillment of Jesus. All right. And, and he says, uh, the field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Now, so you got to understand, this is not like just separation from God, which is I hear a lot of... I hear a lot of, you know, apologetics say, um, you know, that's the punishment. No, that's not the only punishment. It's hellfire. It's it's like unquenchable. It's like burning but never quenching. I don't know what that, it's like extreme punishment. Yes, separation from God, but yeah, also the extreme punishment of your choice of not receiving Christ. Um, so, and then he says, I'll send out all his, he says, the son of man, Jesus, will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom. What's his kingdom? You know where his kingdom is? It's heaven and earth. That's his kingdom. And he'll gather out, listen, all of his kingdom, all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. Now, for those who say there is no law under Christ, there is law. There is just no law that leads to righteousness. There is still, have no other gods before you. There is still, thou shalt not commit murder. There is still, you understand, those things that were not fulfilled in Christ, things that were fulfilled in Christ, is he is our Sabbath rest. That's why we don't have to keep the Sabbath. Now, I don't mind if you do. You're just not righteous because you, I really believe it would be good for Christians to actually take a day where they rest in the Lord and, and they think about him and give him a day. I really think that'd be wonderful. But we don't, we don't do that on Friday night to Saturday night. You can. I try to be honest with you. I try to get some rest on the weekends. Uh, I try not to make too many, do too much work. I do spend time in the word and prayer. But it, I don't keep the Sabbath. I don't have a Shabbat dinner and uh, all that stuff. Uh, I don't do that because Jesus, this is in Hebrews. By the way, I preached this. If you go over to the Gate Church YouTube channel, I preached this just a couple weeks ago, our Sabbath rest, and 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 explained it. So you can go there uh, and look for it there. Um, so it says here that um, the reapers are the angels. Okay, and instead of practice laws, therefore there'll be. Listen, to what he says, and he says, and they will, and he will cast them into the furnace of fire, and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as a sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him have hear ears to hear. Now, let me ask you something: Who are taken first? 
the tares. It's a very important thing that I want us to you to wrestle with right there. Okay, don't let me lose you there. Let's get back to our topic. When God chooses kings, he chooses them differently. And you even see this in the prophets. Like the prophets in the Old Testament were had 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 a had a chance to like you look at Samuel. Samuel's passion, right? His passion for the Lord hacked a king in pieces. You look at Eleazar, Aaron's son, through a spear through individuals to stop the plague. You look at David, who, who cut off the foreskins of a thousand Philistines, who slayed giants and, and won wars. And God said he was a king. He was a person. He was, a, he, was a, he was one after his own heart. Because rulers have to govern differently than pastors, apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Like we have a different role. We have a different command. We are called to the church. We are not called to govern societies like that. We are not called to govern. But I would expect, like here, like I get members of my church, right? And and what and they're in my church, and I'm responsible for their soul. But at the same time, those same individuals might be in the Marines. Mar- I have a nephew in the Marines. He actually is retired now. He's, he was in the Marines. This is a Marine shirt uh, that I got because of him. Okay, um, They're in the Marines. If he's sent the battlefield, he's got to govern his life differently than I would. I don't want to. I don't want to necessarily cause anyone harm, but if I'm in the Marines and I'm on the front lines, it's my job to win a war, okay, and to you know to fight. All right, so they're different. They're in a different governmental system, okay. Let's just say this: as a father, I'm the shepherd of my house. Do you know what a shepherd has to do? He has to protect his sheep. If someone came through my door or came through a window at three o'clock in the morning. I'm not going to be an apostle. I'm going to be a father because my government role shifts in that moment as a father who's protecting the sheep and I'm going to protect them with violence. Now you go, that's crazy. No, you got to, people don't understand this. You must have the ability to rise up in the moment to protect your family. In that moment, if I sat there and went, no, I'm going to yield all to Jesus. And that's not faith. That's actually passivity. And in that moment, I'm to rise up and to protect my family. That's my job. That's my role as a father. It's my role as a shepherd of flock. We're at the church. Someone comes in to harm them. It's my job to put myself between that and that harm and fight for them and protect them. Why? Because that's my job. See, a hireling flees with trouble, but a true shepherd guards the flock. Okay, you have to understand that the roles shift in that moment. When there's peace, my role is peace. But when there's a threat to the sheep, my role must, it shifts. Like, I, I can't have this passive, you know, I have to shift with it. Why? Because my role changed from the one who's feeding the sheep to the one who must now protect the sheep. Well, when he chooses presidents and kings, he chooses them differently. He chose David differently. He chose Cyrus King differently. And this is why most Christians don't understand Donald Trump. They have a real tough time with it because they think Donald, number one, most Christians have a skewed look at David. 
They look at David solely as a worshiper and lover of God, but they don't work. They don't see David in the context as a warrior. They forget that context. And today we not, we we don't have that context with Donald Trump. Like we struggle with that as Christians because we think Donald Trump should be passive. He should be sweet. He should not talk back to people. Well, that's his weapon of war in this time. What's the war he's fighting? The war of media and the war of ideas. And and he does not. He has nine. I think it was during his presidency. There was like ninety eight percent of the media, ninety three or above percent of the media was negative. That was his battleground. And many Christians, the frustration don't understand this battle, and they think Donald Trump should be passive. He can't be. He'll get slaughtered. You know, this is, by the way, this is what McCain actually discovered when he became president. See, when, when McCain was against Bush, and I didn't like John McCain, by the way, and I thought he was, um, I didn't like him. I'm sorry. I didn't like him as a, I, I thought he was a leader wannabe. He was never majority leader, in the, but he went against the president because he wanted the media. He wanted the attention. He's always been an attention hog. He's always been a power hog. Okay. He's wanted the power. He wanted the power of presidency as senator. Okay, I remember Rush Limbaugh used to call him like the president, and he used to call Lindsey Graham vice president because whatever whatever John McCain did, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham's another one. I have no respect for Lindsey Graham either because he's just a military. He he just wants a war because they make money from it. Here we were. We got out of Afghanistan. We spent eight trillion dollars on Afghanistan for what? To leave almost a hundred billion dollars of equipment there for the Taliban. That we supposedly went to uproot, okay? And they couldn't, you understand why we're in another war? Do you understand why they want us in the Ukraine-Russian war? Because the military complex needs a reason. They need a war. And, it, and Eisenhower warned about this in 1960 when he was leaving the White House. He gave a, about a, seven, I think it was a 17-minute speech, and he warned about the rising military complex, okay, that this industrial, military industrial complex was going to, was trying to look for wars. And they found one in Vietnam. And, you know, Trump is the only one who didn't start anything. And Trump wanted out of Afghanistan. But what he really wanted in Afghanistan, he says, we're there. Why are we not helping them mine? They have copper. Why are we not helping to mine this where we can get copper from them? We can do, we can set up an economy. Do you know, we never set up an economy there. And he's like, we spent $8 trillion. Now, you know who's setting up an economy with them? China. China says they're going to build railroad tracks and roads between them and their country so they can mine their country. And we never took advantage of it. And we should take advantage of it. We go, well, you would have taken advantage of the Iranians. No, we, it's when they sell the, or it helps everybody. That's the whole thing. Like you, you could have actually made it a wealthy nation. It's what their resources were. Okay, enough of this argument. We want a president who's not capable of violence. You do not want that. What is the weapon of warfare against the elites today? It's the media. It's the speech. Why do you think they're trying to sign, silence Donald Trump? Why do you think they're trying to silence? Why do you think... Big tech was silencing everybody over COVID, over the election. Why do you think? 
because their goal was to silence the speech of anyone. That's our weapon. Our weapon is the freedom of speech, and they want it done away with. That was Donald Trump's rule. You know what's funny is like I was listening. Most people think that's Donald Trump in private. It's not Donald Trump in private. There was a lawyer who defended him. I think it was his second impeachment. And the lawyer had never any interactions with Donald Trump previously. Only during this thing he said he was one of the most nicest individuals he ever dealt with in his 30-year law practice. And he said he was intuitive. He listened to everything he had to say. He was unbelievably kind. That's Donald Trump. No, you go, well, we only see him. Of course you see him like that. When you see him in front of the media, see, the media wants to frame questions that are supposed to, you know, you're supposed to defend. You're supposed to sit there and, um, you know, like feel, you know, shy away from, oh, I don't want you to think about that's their tool. I don't want them to think that of me. DeSantis has done a great job with this in Florida, but the problem with DeSantis is, He's not doing a good job of it nationwide because DeSantis doesn't have a good worldview. He's got a great, he's a great governor. And I love him as my guy. I'm living for, I love him as a governor. But his problem is his worldview is wars. He, everyone who is supporting Bush, all those guys that are around George uh, W are around DeSantis. That's who's funding him. And they want a war. It's a, he just started talk, talking about open borders more because he fired his campaign manager and they have to shift. Why? Because his campaign manager came out of the Bush era and that's what they want. Bush wanted open borders. We had the House, we had the Senate, we had and, and we had a presidency. We talked about borders then. He didn't build anything. No, we went to war in Afghanistan and Iraq. Spent $8 trillion just in Afghanistan. $8 trillion. That's a fourth of our debt, our national debt. A fourth of it was wars. Yeah, we have a military budget, but the wars always are this extra expenditures. We just keep spending, spending. We spend a lot of money on our military. And the reason we spend a lot of money on our military is not on our military. It's on wars. And and who's profiting from? Always watch who's profiting from because that's always the key. You know, who's ever profiting from it is the ones that are um, you have to you have to look at, okay? Because they're the ones doing it. They're the ones who want it, and and that's their industry. So when God chooses a leader of a congregation, or He chooses me, you just as a Christian, He wants us to be tender-hearted and all that, right? But if He chose you to be, see, when you're when you're a president. When you're, um, you know, people want to legislate morality. They want to legislate homosexuality out of the thing. They want to legislate. Here's, here's a problem with that. If you allow the government to start legislating what is righteous sex, what is not righteous sex, you actually open up them to do other things in that area. The government, we never gave the government that authority. We never gave the government, we did give the church that authority if you're homosexual, you're not going to be a church leader. That's biblical. Now, um, if you're practicing homosexual in a church and the pastor says, hey, look, you need to repent or you need to go somewhere else. Don't get mad at the pastor. You're in the church. You go, well, it's not against the law. Yeah, it's not against the law out there. We have different rules in here. The church has a different code. 
now what what struggles for some some people is that when Donald Trump they want him this is what this is what Christians think you have to have a Christian in every position of your cabinet they all need to be Christians no they all need to be you know um uh, very gifted in the area is what I want in other words, I don't, when I look for a surgeon, I'm not looking for a Christian surgeon. I'm looking for the best surgeon. If I need brain surgery, if I have a brain tumor, I'm not looking for a Christian. I'm looking for the best brain surgeon I can have. Look, when, when <laughs> you know, I want the best building stuff. And Christians want a Christian because they want everything to be Christian. But you don't understand, the government can't run that way. Even D King David couldn't run that way because you had to allow the foreigner in your land. And you had to protect the foreigner. Remember, the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The way God looks at the world is different than the way he looks at his church. And some things that he allows in the world without judgment, he won't allow in his church without judgment. You gotta understand this. Now I'm talk, talking eternal judgment. I'm talking like, do you know God? You know, God let a lot of nations get away with that doing, but He didn't let Israel get away with it. He judged Israel for it because inside the church we govern differently. Okay, we govern differently. Look, like. In my congregation, I want to know the affairs of my people so I can properly pray, meet their needs, stuff like that. I don't want the government knowing any of my affairs. That's not their responsibility. That's, the, that's their pastor's responsibility. Now, I only know as much as I know. I don't go and demand that I know. But, you know, I don't go to the government. You know, I go to, I go to spiritual leaders. And... And we have to understand the difference of those roles. They're different mountains. They have different laws. They have different leaders. See, there's one other thing of understanding the seven mountains is you've got to understand its organizational power structure. How is the authority structure in that mountain? Because it's different in every mountain. And you've got to understand what it takes to govern in each mountain. This is the thing. Like, why is why did Obama listen? Listen to me very carefully. Why did Obama change the don't ask, don't tell, like it's okay to have homosexuals in the military? I think under Clinton, we did the don't ask, don't tell, tried that one thing. And they have been slowly, listen, they have been slowly allowing more and more openly gay people, now transgenders in the military. Why do you think they're doing that? Because eventually they want generals in the military who are transgender. But they know it's going to take 25, 30 years. That's their long-range goal, is eventually all these homosexuals, transgenders, are going to get promoted strictly under the fear of, if you don't promote them, it's because you're homophobic, transphobic, and you discriminated. That's the weapon they're using. Okay? And they're going to be in a place of power where they can shift governmental military structure to favor homosexuality and transgenderism. That's their deal. By the way, they've done this in the school system. That's what they did. They put a bunch of radical leftists who became teachers. Guess what those teachers then? Those teachers became superintendents of schools, colleges, uh, junior colleges, you know, higher education. That's what they did. They've been running on a 40, 50 year plan. You know what the church is running on? 
a two-year, four-year plan. The church has no future vision. Why? Because the the church holds, look, the church holds a lack of vision because they believe Jesus is coming back in their lifetime. And they have no vision. Because you think everything's going to culminate with you, you have no vision for a hundred years because you've only cultivated a short-term vision. Everything's got to be filled in our lifetime. Everything. Jesus got to come back in our lifetime. You know, the world's got to end in our life. Everything's got to culminate in our life. Everything's the end times, last days, all this stuff. No. When Peter said the last days, by the way, if you look it up, it's scripture, you look this up. When he said in the last days, Joel said, Joel never said in the last days. Joel was, look, Joel was talking, listen, Peter was talking about the last days of the temple. It was the last, it was the last days of what we call the Old Testament order. And the New Testament was going to be ushered in. And within that 40 year period, all those things came to pass that Jesus said about. And then the temple was destroyed. And that, that closed out the Old Testament. I did a video on this. Okay. I think I, I forget which channel I did this one on. You can look it up. But I did a video that might be on the gate YouTube where the salvation for the Jews is through Christ. It's not through the Old Testament. Can't be. Jesus said a new covenant I'll make with you. Jeremiah 31 says there's going to be a new covenant. Okay. Peter, a Jew, said there's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. You either believe there or you don't. You, you can't be a Christian, believe Jesus, and say there's a whole other segment of people who don't need that because Peter... The apostles all preach to the Jews salvation through Jesus' name. Today, we're afraid to do that to look anti-Semite. I'm not anti-Semite. I'm actually pro-Jew. I'm pro-getting them saved. I love them enough to preach the truth. I'm not afraid of the name-calling. I want them to know the truth because I think, I know this. I don't think this. I know this. I know God loves the Jews. He loves them. And he wants them to come to the truth, just like he wants me and you to come to the truth. And, and that's very important for us to grasp, understand, and grapple with. Don't, don't select your presidents like you select your pastors. I love Bill Johnson. I, he's one of my heroes. He's a friend, hero. Everyone knows him. I'm using him. Jack Taylor, another one. Great hero. Okay? Um, my father, Lord Randy Letchers, who's with Jesus. Great. One of my heroes. Um, Rodney L. Brown, great hero. My faith. Do you know what they'd make? They'd made they'd make awful presidents. Awful presidents. It's out of their, it's not their mountain. Even though Rodney does a lot of speaking about our country and, all, and I love him for that. It's a bad mountain. He would not be a good president. Number one, he wouldn't get elected. Okay. Because Christians would fight over the fact he talks in tongues and does miracles, and everyone would get mad about that. We can't agree in the church. But you gotta understand, a different mountain requires a different different person. David was a man of blood. David brought wars and victory and conquest. Solomon doesn't, okay? And But Solomon doesn't end well either. And I just wanted to let you know that. Like, don't look. Like, I don't expect, listen, I don't expect a, a, a Christian leader in Hollywood to govern the same way as I govern in the church. Why do I say that? Like, let's let's take let's take Dallas Jenkins, who's doing the chosen. People are upset. There might be homosexuals on the on the on the you know 
in the crews, the shooting crews, all that stuff. Well, number one, he's he's hiring union workers to do doing the work, Hollywood union workers to film. And he's not making it a prerequisite. He can't. By the way, by law, he cannot. He's not a ministry. He's a company. And as a company, you know what he can't do? He can't hire. He cannot hire people and discriminate sexual orientations, belief systems, or anything like that. But God has given him authority in that mountain, and he's doing an excellent job, isn't he? That company is doing fantastic, right? We're loving Sound of Freedom, and all these movies are put out, but also The Chosen is so fantastic. But you understand, he's got to govern differently. He can't govern like the church, where I could sit there and say, look, if you're a practicing homosexual, you can't do that here. I need you to repent of this, and, you know, because sexual immorality spreads in the church. It's what Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians 5. And, and he says, you can't do that. But you know what? I can't do that if I'm a leader of a corporation under, you know, incorporated rules. He's not a ministry. He's not under a 501c3. He's an incorporation. I'm a nonprofit, but I'm also a church, and the, gover the government can't dictate to the church. So it can't, make, it can't dictate. The church is separate. It's outside their control. You can't dictate someone's religion. Okay? You can't dictate the laws of those religions. And you don't want them to. Um, because the, the, the founding fathers knew this. I, I, I invite you to really study the Constitution. How, you know, people, why didn't they make it, why didn't they make homosexual, homosexuality illegal? Because they knew that if you gave the power to the government, to do that. That just that would just open a door. Well, if they could control your bedroom, then they control everything. And they didn't want, they wanted the least intrusive government you could have. Because they knew that power corrupts. Okay? They knew that. And this is what they were trying to avoid. So you have to understand the mountain to understand the ruler. So I would not expect someone in the music industry or the news industry. Okay, I wouldn't expect a news anchor, like someone who's going to run a legit news business and run it on Christian values. However, those Christian values cannot discriminate. If I'm an incorporation, I cannot discriminate. Cannot do that. And if I do that, I'm going to be in violation. That's the law. If you do, if you cannot govern that, like you can have like a CBN. Okay, now it's like off your ministry. But if I'm going to build like a Fox News, uh, 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 you know, that kind of news station, I can't go there and start, you know, asking people their beliefs. I can in a Christian label, like if I have a Christian music label, I can sign a code of ethics. I can do that because you're willfully coming to work agreeing to certain things. But what I got to be careful of is that, number one, you know, how I'm hiring. All, there's a whole bunch of dynamics to go on that. The question is, do I want the best news person or do I want, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hire if I, even if I had like a, you know, uh, a news agency, I would probably put a code of the ethics that here's our code of the ethics that we're not going to promote homosexuality, transgenderism. And I can put that in my thing. Now you have to accept those terms. That's fine. But you have to be careful because once you start hiring union, you know who chooses the union? Code of ethics to union. So you have to know all this stuff. There's different mountains have different leaders. And, and when God's choosing a president, he's looking for a warrior, not a pacifist. We need a warrior 
so we can have peace. But most Christians think a Christian's going to get in there and everything's going to go their way and they're just made to, you know, change everything. Look, the, the government's too big. Government's too big. Okay, it's just too big to have this, you know, utopia that you want. When Jesus comes back, the utopia will come back, okay? But we're not going to have the utopia until Christ. There will be sheep and goat nations. There will be sheep and goats in, in the earth, okay? But you've got to understand Donald Trump's role was not Jesus. His role was more like David. I have to go back, take it back from the Philistines. Boy, I wish the church, I wish the church more and whole prayed for him. But we had a lot of so-called conservative Christians that did nothing but hate him. And by the way, most of those conservatives hated him. Most of those big-time conservatives hated him. You know why? Because he didn't give them a job. Like Mitt Romney wanted to be Secretary of State and Trump told him no. Because Mitt Romney is a phony. And he's not a Christian, so let's just get that one out of there. He's just a phony. And Mitt Romney and Trump knew him, knew him as a phony. Because Trump he asked for Trump's endorsement in 2012. And then when he ran for senator in 2016, he asked for Trump's endorsement and Trump both gave him endorsement. Okay. He's not, he's not, I don't like him. I just want you to know that. I don't like him. By the way, he's the one who gave universal health care started in Massachusetts. So if you want to know where that was the trial run, it was under it was under Mitt Romney. He doesn't choose every mountain. The kings are not chosen the same. And the queens, if you want to go that way. Okay, ladies, I'm not saying you can't be rulers. He needs a warrior. You go, well, he wasn't nine. He was mean. Okay. Get over it. Get over it. If a pastor talked like that, you've got it. That's right. That's wrong. But you would not last three seconds in front of the media when they came at you. like Because it's not just the words. It's the demonic spirits that would come at you. You wouldn't last three minutes. You wouldn't be prepared for it. Would not be prepared for the onslaught. You have to fight back. That's why I love Sean Fout and you know his his um, you know uh, hold the line and all that. He's doing such a fantastic job of doing that. Um, think about that next time you're you know you're you're looking for a leader. I'm not looking for a Christian. I'm looking for a person who holds my values, but will also fight for them. And fight for them means first of all in speech, you're going to have to fight for them. Amen. I hope this helps. I hope you enjoy this weekly Kingdom Outlook. Hey, would you do me a favor? Like, subscribe, uh, do all that to turn on the notifications. I always forget to do that at the beginning, but would you go ahead and do that? Actually, I'll put the reminders in the beginning, but I always forget to say something about it. So there you go. I love you. I'll talk to you later and see you next week on the weekly Kingdom Outlook. Bye-bye.